Disclaimer. All research in this episode was done by me, Matt, and was gathered from articles, books, and other sort of research that I found on the internet. That isn't to say that this information is perfect or in any way absolutely truthful to the actual facts. We are open to more people discussing and giving us more information and would like to make redactions and additions if we find more information during the process of this release episode. That said, have fun and enjoy the episode where we're going to be talking about some pretty cool otaku shit. Hi, welcome back to the Otaku Melancholy Podcast. My name is Matt, and just damn if we don't have it easy nowadays. And I'm Brad, and uh, if I've learned one thing from anime, is that butterflies are pigeons, and people die if they are killed. Alrighty then, so, you know what, you can read, if you know how to read, let's be real, you... We oh, are gonna I, be giving. I thought you were talking to me. <laughs> no, I wasn't talking to you. Although I will be talking to you in a minute. I'm talking to you now. <laughs> so if you can read, which you should be. Able to, <laughs> uh, we are gonna be doing an otaku otakumentary about fan subbing, and it's gonna be fun. It's. It's going to be really professional. It's not going to be like this. When we get into otaku-mentary mode, yeah. ooh, you're going to be blown back. So we, up until this point, we've done like reviews on anime of shows we've watched and our uh, very illustrious Satoshi Kone quest, going, uh, stumbling through the history of Satoshi Kone. But, you know, we want to start getting into more anime discussions, and we've had that with um, One Night Hot Springs, as well as like what makes a 10, what makes a 0. This time yeah. we're going to be talking about a subject of anime history, fan subbing. Ooh, sexy. You know it, baby. <laughs> so I did want to, when we made this podcast, I did want to make diver a diverse sort of lineup so it's not us always talking about who best girl is, who worst girl is, and just the general feeling of anime. I would like to be, I'd like to be some sort of podcast that could also educate you in some way. Yeah. And I, I, I did not this this disclaimer as I didn't grow up with fan subs, but I learned about them after the fact, like like VA, hard VHS fan subs, the classic fan subs. Yeah, like me, Miami Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's one of those things like it's 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 just an amazing sort of revelation to see how far we've come. And I know a lot of weeaboos, otakus right now, are they're living in the streaming age, so they don't know where we came from, or maybe they're not fully aware of how much, like, 80s and 90s anime fans would gut them alive to bitch about the fact that they didn't include honorifics in the subtitles. Yeah. And so, as, as stated, I compiled a list of research, and I poured through it extensively, really hardcore read tons of articles and research to understand fan subbing and the little bit of the history about it it was originally supposed to be a history but 
There was so much gray area that I just can't make a concise history. So we're going to talk a little bit about the generals. But before we do that, hey, Brad, what aren't you watching now? I am not watching anything as much as I should. And we recently started, or you recently started a uh, anime watch club. It's like, yeah, we're going to talk about Cross Game. We're going to watch it and we'll talk about it here. And I'm just looking at it like, oh boy, is this, this camel's back is getting weary. Yeah, well, that is true. I completely forgot to mention about that. Yeah, we're starting an anime watch club where we'll be watching five episodes of Cross Game in a week and then discussing them on Sunday. What? Five episodes a week? I don't oh even know about that. God. Oh, Are you for real? Are you, like, fucking serious? How the fuck can't you watch five episodes in a week? What week bullshit are you on? I could watch it in a week, but... I don't want to be entertained by anime. I want to play video games. <laughs> I don't even want to play video games anymore. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Craig, call the number again. I mean, I mean, I want to play video games, but that's just because I got my little, my little gamey laptop now, and I'm like, yee! You're top-tier alienware. It's not Alienware. I'm not that much of human garbage. <laughs> Unless, of course, you do own an Alienware and listening to this website, uh, this website, <laughs> this podcast, because you're not human garbage. I just don't like Alienware's appearance. It looks very much gamer. We Welcome to our website. We got Flash now. We're, we're playing audio through our HTML. We're like MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> the darkness inside is just so harsh on me. Uh, Listen to this Fallout Boy song that describes my feelings perfectly. Oh my god, my space is a fucking trip. Before, and... before we get into it, I want to like post some cringe about my MySpace experience. Okay, sure, sure enough, let's go. When I started on MySpace, I was young enough to where I, you know, you one of those kids that like take up a persona instead of being themselves so i made like two myspaces because i forgot the email to my first one two myspaces where i was general grievous (laughs) (laughs) no you can't be fucking real i was Uh, my profile picture was general grievous and everything (laughs) oh my fucking god my guy I mean, that's that's pretty cringe, bro. Anyway, Not gonna lie. Anyways, when I was uh, when I wasn't uh like posting about how how much I hated General Kenobi, I would like log out of MySpace and go to my uh, VHS cabinet where I pull out the latest fan sub of the hot animes like Fushigi Yuki or Azumanga Daioh. And sometimes the fan subs would work. Sometimes they wouldn't. Kids these days, like a lot of anime fans these days, have don't really know how easy it is. And not to sound like the geriatric old boomer saying, Back in my day, we used to walk to school uphill both ways, barefoot in the snow, blah, blah, blah. But it is so convenient. Uh, like, just pulling up one of a bagillion websites that have anime on it officially subtitled too with weekly releases that you can just 
stream and binge on the fly, which you can hear more about by listening to our streaming and piracy episode, which you can find oh on talkingmelancholy.com. But oh my god, back in the day, we had something called fan subbing, and for as long as anime has been in the West, or well, as long as long as anime has been exported outside of Japan, there have been fan subs, and this is because. A lot of Japanese animation companies didn't really didn't really know if distributing anime outside of Japan would be profitable and profitable enough to like devote to distribution and subtitling and localizations. So if you are an anime fan outside Japan, the only source you have are fan subs in which individuals would take uh, copies of anime and would manually translate them themselves and distribute it online or through, like, even in-person means, like, in the back streets of Walmart to give to people so they I can watch. So they can want a hit of this Rama one half. <laughs> I'll give you a sample. Free sample. You can come back later. First hit's free. <laughs> Have a, it's, a, it's a gateway to harder, rougher anime. So, the first documented case of anime being brought over to the U.S. was The Tale of the White Serpent by Toei Animation, which was released in 1958 and was also known as Panda and the Magic Serpent. It was licensed by Global Pictures, and when they brought it over, they changed so many things to it to localize it to Americans that it barely resembles the original, um, the original film. For example, they would rename a panda to a cat, and they would remove the names of entire Japanese production teams from the credits. Like, if you think, if you think. Brock's Jelly Donut from the Pokemon 4 Kids dub was bad, or like the One Piece water guns were bad. Like it was, it was the wild days back in the back in the 80s and early 90s. So instances like that left Japanese companies not really confident in you know localiz in a uh, non-Japanese localizations. So that left it to individuals to bring in their own talents to fans of it and for uh for, for you youngins out there that uh don't know what fan subbing is fan subbing is the process where fans of the anime would add their own subtitles to it and just and give it out to people who are waiting for that western release usually they do it on media like vhs where you, you get the classic vhs tape experience but they would also use mm -hmm. Betamax tape, Laserdisc, and all other forms of failed audio-video mediums. There's also digi-subbing, which is just fan-subbing brought into the digital age, in which Ooh. fans would make digital subs for video formats like MP4s or, MP or MKVs. Mm. But I bet you're wondering how exactly all this works, because you're just curious, well, I am here to enlighten and educate, and here's just... How I'm to understand it from my personal research, how it works. So here's here is the knit and the grit for how fan subs actually work. Remember that fan subs are what we're calling the media being used on VHS, which is where the term comes from. So basically, 
if you're making these kind of products, you'd only be making them on a VHS tape or a Betamax tape, and you could only do that with analog video editing equipment. So what would you do? You would need to get some of the original source material, and you would generally use a source material of a laser disc because it produced the highest quality video, but it wasn't that uncommon for VHS tape recordings to be used as well, but they would generally look of really poor quality. Someone would watch the content who would watch this laser disc or this VHS tape who knew Japanese, usually in this in these these times, a professional translator who would then translate the script and then time it to match and type to match the text and to typeset it to also make it look good. They would do all of this on programs like Jayco Sub for the Commodore Amiga or Substation Alpha for Windows. Substation Alpha is actually still being used today for digisubbing. Now, when I say that the translator would do the whole timing, that other people would do that. Just clarifying, just in case you need to know. Right. So the next step of this process after the translation was to make a master tape, which was a copy of considerable quality of this completed fan sub that would that could make many other copies. The fan sub creator would play the raw video through a computer that could use generator locking or genlock. It's also known as video overlaying. The video overlaying's purpose was to synchronize the picture sources together by generating the subtitles first and then making them overlay on top of the video signal. For example, a Ranma one half would be playing and they would play subtitles on the on the video overlay card so that they would appear over the Ranma one half video. Gen locking is a very professional process, so you had to be either really devoted to the process of getting anime out there, or you would have to use something that was relatively low priced, like the Commodore Amiga, which is generally believed to have popularized the spread of fan subs since it was a more readily available computer system. After the final composition, or the master as I was talking about earlier was made, then it is usually recorded on a super VHS so that the video was crisp and clean looking. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> as clean as a VHS could actually look. So, you know, there you go. Hopefully you get a tape that wouldn't have tons of scan lights on it. Yeah, I've this has been used to record the Simpsons Christmas special 17 times. Ooh, <laughs> I can't read them subtitles. <laughs> so... And that was actually a problem discussing it now was that some people had so when I was reading, some people had such used copies that they had to squint to see the subtitles. Yeah. Some fan subbers just didn't care and would just use VHS or Betamax for their master tapes. Anyways, they wouldn't use a super VHS. But now that the master was made or crafted in the fine forges of fantastic fun, if you're lame like me who can't write script and is a hack <laughs> then it was sent off to it usually it was sent off to a distributor who would make the copies and return it back to the creator though most fan subgroups actually used a different method that we'll be discussing later this entire process was extremely costly the equipment to do everything was tremendously expensive and often on a professional grade level for example the raw video or the laser disc that the fan subber you would use to make the video the actual fan sub video would generally cost up to $100 for only 30 minutes of video per disc. I mean, this was being imported from Japan. And keep in mind, it's not like we are today where you could use something like, like I don't remember, Play Asia 
or some other company to just get it available. This was usually required people to have connections. This was before the popularization of the of 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 the internet. So, yeah. Or generally it was in the early days. You really so, had to like actually know someone who lived in Japan or knew someone who lived in Japan. You had to have some kind of six degrees of uh, of Japan to be able to get this source. Six degrees of Kevin Bacon son. <laughs> and, and yeah, it, it's it is it was very caught like you would have to know people to know people to know people. And that's why these later what we'll talk about later is these anime appreciation groups would have to be formed just to make all the connections because not everybody knew every single person yeah but going back to the subject like 30 minutes of video per laser disc video that's meaning like if you wanted to just make an entire fan subset for a shorter 12 episode series then you would probably have to pay up to a thousand dollars just for the media alone and that's not even to speak for all the equipment because you would not only need a laserdisc player a really nice pc some gen locking or video overlay equipment but you would also need a recording deck to make your master and you were going to need even more recording decks and others if you were going to make and distribute like a lot like some other companies would do or fan subgroups would do so Fan sub- it wasn't uncommon for fan subbers to cut cost, so they wouldn't always use these methods that I was talking about. You you might have to do something like get a fan sub tape that was just a copy that had been copied from a copy that had been copied from another copy that was just a copy of another copy <laughs> that was just a copy to a copy that had copied from the copy of the copy of the original. So you're looking at like quality going down and down and down, and this is just for people who are like in anime clubs who are distributing amongst themselves and with other anime fans. And it's just, boy, it's, 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 it's fucking amazing just how bad this was getting. Yeah. So if you, these people had to be devoted to the spread of this, of this anime. I mean, it, it is what it is. And keep in mind that a lot of these people were not doing this for profit. They were just trying to, if they were going to sell it, they had to put all kinds of labels or they had to just do it to cover their costs for the tapes and all the production the production involved. So you you explain the process of how like to add subtitles to a VHS video, but I still do not fully understand it. Like digital stuff is like so far beyond my understanding that's like black magic to me, but I've mm-hmm. always been fascinated by how analog stuff is done like how listen how you can turn a magnetic strip of film into audio and video and how you and the process of adding subtitles to it that shit is yeah. crazy i mean you're really like if in the actual discussion of things you're looking at we've seen uh we've watched several anime during our tenure of the podcast where you've seen people with multiple tvs and multiple vhs uh, VHS players. That was generally the kind of setup you would be looking at. In fact, at one of the interviews I was reading, one of the anime fans from the Animation Appreciation Society yeah. actually had six VHS players in their room just to make copies pretty rapidly for their fa- for their group. Yeah, and because this was analog, not digital, all this equipment and even the VHS themselves were bulky, and it's not like yeah. a f- several years ago where you could go to Walmart and pick up a pack of like 20 20 CDs or even 100 
CDs for like still a substantial amount of money, but not too much. It's a good deal for what you're getting. But VHSs yeah. were still expensive even at at their heyday, because yeah. you know the what it took to produce them and just how to package them and just how much you how many you had to have like in your warehouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 CD and DVD revolution is really important just because of how easier it made this sort of process going. Yeah, and even easier today is like this absolute digital you don't even need discs to be able to give it to other people you don't even need usb drives to like hand transfer other people unless you're like doing 36 gigabytes of evangelion that you have to mail to your friend through the u.s the united states postal service yeah like if you are indeed that person (laughs) who i i'm not naming names but that person he's very handsome and has a really nice podcast (laughs) but even to this day, with the digital after the digital revolution, you still have the leg the legacy of fan subbing is carried over into digit subbing. Even though you may have like you may live now on Netflix or Verve, Crunchyroll, High Dive, Hulu. Said <laughs> uh, Hulu so disgustedly. Hulu. There's still a chance that as you were growing up with anime, you've seen some kind of digit sub in your lifetime. Whether it's like in the old days of YouTube where you see Naruto episode 53 part 1 and then part 2 and then part 3 is missing. Whether you were a goblin perusing the likes of LimeWire, Kazaa, or BitTorrent. (laughs) My little friend known as BitTorrent. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you were using one of those sites, like one of the dozen Kiss anime sites that either end in .com, .ca, .ru, .be, .io. (laughs) You, if you've ever, if you've ever, like before the advent of streaming, if you've seen anime subtitle online, you've used digisubbing, even if you weren't aware of it. So digisubbing is a little easier than fed subbing, but also a lot more complicated. It's of course entirely done on computers, and with the internet being around, getting ROMs for videos is really freaking simple. Instead of having to pay for laser discs and having to physically distribute them, fan servers can have someone record the original broadcast and share them peer-to-peer or P2P, the TV broadcast of the episodes. The beginning process with digi-subbing is mostly the same as analog fan subbing, although the internet has brought in a lot more, a, a lot of new techniques. A translator will listen to the content and provide translation. This is all done by ear, with generally no scripts, and can lead to some confusions with names. This still happens today, with the translation of the Korean manhwa Tower of God, with the protagonist's name being Bam or Bam, however it's pronounced in Korean. This name, of course, has a meaning in Korean. And there is a Japanese word that can have the same meaning. So the issue is, do they localize the name, or do they translate that into the actual Korean definition? And this has ramifications if it 
since it has to be translated then to English from Japanese instead of from the Korean. And there are even other nations that translate from the English translation. So, this is a debate that still goes on today of which is better, direct translation or localization? Yeah, and that is uh, that is interesting. Is about talking about the English translation and how, like, even some other groups will translate the, the they'll just say fuck it and translate another language outside of Japanese because they just don't have the availability. Yes. Yeah. A real recent example is the Netflix at a um, Netflix edition of Neon Genesis Evangelion. And boy, I just can't shut up about Evangelion through all these episodes, I guess. Oh, boy. <laughs> but there has been a lot of hubbub and controversy about the both these new subtitles and the new dub of Evangelion, where they have decided to go with a direct translation of the Japanese script rather than the localization that was for the original English release. And... On a personal note, that's, this has cemented my mind on which one I prefer. But for some people, they feel that direct translations keeps to the core intention of the Japanese script, while others might believe localization is necessary because the meaning in Japanese might not carry the same weight in English. Yeah. For example, if you are watching a character stare at their cum-ladled hand after they masturbated to a comatose girl. Perhaps in Japanese, the phrase, I'm the lowest of the low, had some real weight in the original Japanese. Whereas in English, the original, I'm so fucked up, carries weight in English. Now, if you see that scene, and you hear the character say, I'm the lowest of the low, you're 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 gonna have a little chuckle and it's gonna lose the weight of the entire scene. I mean, you could literally just put "Why am I like this?" and it holds <laughs> better weight than "I'm the lowest of the low." And there you go. That's how you localize to meme culture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to localize anime, guys. <laughs> so while the <laughs> While the translation, the new, the new season of Doctor Stone's gonna be lit. <laughs> Senku's gonna be like, "I'm about to blaze this iron." <laughs> Three sixty no scope, Senku. Uh, why am Why am I like this? I'm the lowest of the low. I'm so fucked up. So while the translation is going on, fansub and groups will use software to make timing notes for the lines of dialogue as they appear in the show. It is a process called fine timing, where the team makes sure that lines don't linger after a scene ends or appear before a scene can begin. After that process, they typeset the text of the video of signs and screens that appear. They'll generally use different textiles of color for reading ease, and some may even use a process called AFX, where, the, where they typeset text directly on the signs that are being translated. This is a more difficult process, so some groups don't do it to maintain a steady release speed. Uh, on a personal note, I've attempted adding subtitles to content creators' video in my spare time, and I could attest to how absolutely fucking difficult it is. Just being able, even if I had like a workflow 
of like whether to type the subtitles first and then time it later. It is a lot to go through, especially if there are multiple people talking at one at one time, where you have to add their name of who is talking. So, yeah. shout out to those guys. After the fine timing and the adding of typesets, comes the editing. And as a certain editor knows, this is a crucial segment of the fansubbing process. You know it. Just like any editor, the Digisub editor reads through the subtitles and makes sure that there's that, that they make sense to the English speaker, but different groups have different standards and guidelines. Some use literal subtitle translations while others use a more localized approach. Regardless, spelling and grammar mistakes are remedied at, in this process. After the subtitles have been edited, they're usually reread by the translator who verifies to make sure the line's meaning hasn't been lost. Similarly, our editor Craig listens through the episode to make sure that we're coherent for our English listeners. Oh my fucking god, <laughs> we're not even that good at it. <laughs> it's I am an English speaker and I don't think like I can speak English that great. <laughs> Although, so, although unlike yeah. the fan subbing process, when Craig sends it to us, he doesn't expect us to listen through it and make sure that's all correct. I, like, I think if we listen to it and says, uh, could you make a correction here? He would either leave us on red or would send a reply, no. <laughs> Imagine if Craig <laughs> had to also do subtitles for it. Matt, belligerent screaming. <laughs> Brad... <laughs> Brad in the background being drowned out by screaming. <laughs> it would be fucking hell. And it requires a lot of quality control, which is the next step. The fan scope group checks the episode and codes the episode and then begins a hard quality control where they check for errors during the encoding. The process will have multiple quality control members who are usually other parts who are usually play other parts of the Digisub team. Just so you know. Encoding is what we call when the subtitles are basically being attached to the video file. There are two types of subtitles. One are hard subtitles, where the subtitles are basically plopped onto the footage and are almost nigh impossible to remove. There are also soft subtitles, which are applied as the video is being played. Hard subs have typically been, typically been the more popular usage since they're great at preventing plagiarisms, but soft subs are still out there. After that, the video is usually considered complete, and the video will be distributed on all sorts of platforms, and you're free to learn about this part yourselves, since we technically can't tell you or condone that kind of action on this podcast, <laughs> but you know, you can do it. I don't care. Do it if you want. That's your, this is your call, buddy boy. But fan subgroups will usually get their product out within 24 hours of a release and will usually include cool extras like karaoke for openings and endings, and they can be a really great way to find certain series that just aren't available in the U.S. due to one reason or another, like Cross Game, yeah. which you can go join in our <laughs> Anime Weekly Watch Club. Plug, 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 plug. Yeah, don't expect me there, because I probably will not attend. But I will, though. So, we've talked about the process of making fan subs and digisubs, and we dipped our toe in the water of fansubbing history. Now let's take a big old cannonball into the history. Mommy, there's a chocolate bar in the anime pool! <laughs> <laughs> 
We mentioned earlier about the first example of Japanese anime technically coming over to the States, but we don't have an exact starting point for when fan stuffs are widely distributed here. And I mean, how could you? I, I don't think fan servers like documented like when they started for like for the historians. I I don't I don't think fan servers are sitting in their basement scrubbing v- VHSs thinking a historian is going to look back at me one day. I should write this down. Someday a crappy anime podcast will talk about my work <laughs> and then it'll all be worth it. Which I guess is true with a lot of history. People in the old days didn't really note stuff down thinking that future people would be interested. So as with fa- as with most other history, the fans of history has a lot of gray areas and nothing to really say. Well, this came first. I mean, George Washington was just like, "God damn, I need to get over to the other side of this water." <laughs> Somebody's gonna remember this? Nah, fuck it. I need that. I need the tea. <laughs> so as it concerns fan subbing history. We had our crack research team peruse the internet for several articles and news outlets and books, all of which will be listed in the show notes below if you want to explore the lore and history yourself. Our most prominent sources include the Afrom- uh, include the Anime's News Network founder Justin Savakis, who himself was the business of fansubbing. Shout out to Justin Savakis. Woo! He was a pillar of the community. It probably still is. So- also, I'm glad that we have a crack team because I'm like, oh, I'm the crack team. And I'm like, wait, am I on crack? Is that what that means? That's the secret. <laughs> the secret is the meth. <laughs> <laughs> so here's how early fan subbing actually worked. They were primarily organized and based around the internet. Shocking, <gasps> right? They would communicate via a series of tubes like IRC or email and news groups, and would usually just call themselves after whatever their major major project group was, like the Ranma Project or Orange Road Project. Arguably the biggest of all these fandom groups, however, was Arctic Animation. They were known for getting a lot of the work done, though their quality is uh, hit or miss depending on who, it, who you ask. There was, cer- there was certain honor among licensed thieves, however. A lot of fansubs, in order to avoid getting that hot and fresh cease and desist order, would put a not-for-rent or for sale sticker on their fans of VHSs, which I'm sure worked as well as a lot of YouTubers these days saying, uh, music used by fair use, not mine, do not steal, credit goes to the original artist and whatnot. I do not own, I do not own Hot and Cold by Katy Perry. <laughs> there were even some honorable people out there who, once a anime got officially licensed to be distributed, would discl- would close down their fan subbing series to avoid uh, to allow for people to support the original um, the original animation team and distributors. And this is all back in VHS. Now we go into modern days, and that doesn't happen that much. But we'll talk about that <laughs> later. As we talked about earlier, though, there were distributors for these fan subs, but the most popular way for anime to spread back then was for fans just to share anime with other fans, so copying their VHS copies to another copy of a copy. 
You might find yourself an anime club like the Animation Appreciation Society in Ottawa, where guys and gals would just share the tapes they had, or you would just go go and hope that your friend would get into anime enough to have some anime for you guys to share. But what really happened, what the common practice was, was like what these larger groups would primarily do, was allow anime fans to mail VHS tapes directly to them, to which they would then copy the show onto and then mail them back if they provided postage. This practice was called the stamped self-addressed envelope method or the sasay method. <laughs> this, however, this method turned into an absolute shit show. Anime over time became more and more popular with the advent of Toonami and other such sh- other such sh- prog- f- program blocks in the 90s. And people wanted more anime, so a massive amount of tapes and requests would flow in. A lot of these groups were trying to make major affairs out of their products too, so they would generally put in extra splashy opening images or something else to say, hey, this is a a Foxy Noodle production. So they would have, you know, a little opening and be like, Foxy Noodles! No! <laughs> uh, and I actually have a few... Uh, a few fan sub tapes uh, when I worked at a comic book store when they actually closed down one of their businesses, they had a lot of anime that they hadn't sold and a lot of fan sub tapes that just never got picked up or anything like that. Yeah. Like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z. And I, they were called Hot Ramen Video. Like, that was the fan subgroup that these tapes all had. Hot Ramen Video. Yeah. And they, I can attest, did have some nice quality. They had very nice labels on the VHS. And the VHS cases themselves looked really quisp. And I watched one of them, and it it was peak aesthetic. Yeah. I mean, shit, that still happens today. Like, I got some MKV files earlier, like, last year, where it's, uh, like, the first few seasons have the uh, uh the person who, the group who ripped it they have their own logo in the opening yeah and about hot ramen i actually tried to scour the internet because i'm a crack researcher <laughs> and after finding no information about meth i decided to listen, <laughs> look into anime using his speed <laughs> using my speed and i couldn't find anything and it was we're really just kind of uh, just amazed that the internet had no information on hot ramen video. So if you're from hot ramen video, then shoot us a line at otaku melancholy podcast at gmail.com so I can talk to you. I can imagine that the withdrawals from not having the ecstasy of finding hot ramen video. Oh my goodness. Are we just <laughs> doing drug puns? I don't know if that's very okay. Uh, I, don't I don't know, know if that's very. You're gonna get. You're gonna fall into a pot of despair. I'll tell you that. I. I'm gonna go. You can eat. You can. You can suck on LSD's nuts. <laughs> oh my fucking god! This is supposed to be professional. Whatever. Here we go. Fuck it. <laughs> the ships. We're. We've lost two wings, but we're coming into port. <laughs> Don't planes go into don't planes go into airports? Shut the fuck up, Timmy. <laughs> if it's an airport, why is it on the ground? 
Oh my god. <laughs> so what what did the what did all these groups do when uh Okay, so these groups were getting clogged up. So like by request, and I actually have a few emails that I read through I think Kodan Kodocha or whatever, a fan subgroup that was just bombarded with requests for stuff like Gundam Wing and all that. It was insane how many people wanted Gundam Wing. Yeah. So it would take reportedly it could take up a up to a year for you to get your video back if you were unlucky and if you were really unlucky then your order would just get lost or you would request the latest ova and you would end up getting episode 36 of sailor moon yeah. and if you were did not have any luck in your luck stat and you were trying to get your videos from one of those few groups who actually did charge money just to cover the cost of the tapes like the fan subgroup Tomodachi, who almost exclusively handled all the fan subbing for Fushu Yugi Yugi, then you would lose your money and then they would be like, well, we're not producing any more content because we're angry. And this sort of behavior actually led to one of the first, I believe from my research, to be one of the first anime conventions in Canada. Uh, I'm not going to say, I didn't want to say anything bold like the world because then somebody's going to fucking <laughs> jump my throat as I try to publish this episode, but they are believed to have, this whole Tomodachi fan sub incident with Fushigi Yugi is believed to have spawned one of the first anime conventions. Which is pretty wild when you think about it. And it kind of makes yeah. sense that anime conventions are a collection of people who watch anime, and if there is a need, then people will crowd together and say, hey, let's get together and share our fan subs. But... Mark Shaw's yeah. from Vice, by the way. I didn't put Vice in there because I was like... Mark Shaw of Vice. Yeah. <laughs> but, as detailed in an article by Mark Shaw of Vice, Tomodachi originally refused to release the last 20 episodes of their subs of Fushigi Yugi after a compete. Uh, after a competing group copied the subtitles of their projects and claimed them as their own. Which uh, happens a lot where a small group will just murk something off the bigger group and the bigger group will just get pissy and say, well, now I'm not doing it. We've had it with uh, Phil Fish of Fez 2. We've had it with the original ending of Mass Effect 3 from Bioware, which still salty about that. But yeah. I digress. The Animation Appreciation Society, in pure love of the series, asked politely from Tomodachi if they could host the last 20 episodes in a gathering of their own, to which Tomodachi agreed. <laughs> which is a surprise. I was expecting Tomodachi to say, Get fucked, weeb lord. This gathering became known as the Conan Kaku Convention, and, although it is not around today, press an F in the chat for Conan Kaku Convention. I... <laughs> it I has pressed F. It has left a long legacy on the anime community of Ottawa and otaku in general. Thank you, Animation Appreciation Society. We Ooh. appreciate the Animation Appreciation Society. The, well, welcome to the Society of Appreciation for the anima Animation Appreciation Society. <laughs> My favorite member is is Davidson. <laughs> So a lot has happened in the fansub community back in the day. There's been a lot of fighting between groups and very little honor among international copyright thieves. 
Fansub groups were always trying to make the biggest spectacle of their productions and make the competition look like little bitches by comparison. They would throw in fancy logos or spectacular labels or even a little bit of early typesetting to beat those guys. Groups had special styles that they adhered to, sort of a personal standard of quality, which is why Tomodachi's Tushiki Yuki subs were so desired as THE definitive fan subs. Jason Savakis even admitted to going the super extra mile and making custom advertisements and trailers for his fan sub content, and even translated the subtitles and would be known to improve sound effects on certain shows. There was so much professional production going into these shows, and they weren't even making any money off of them. Kind of like the Otaku Melancholy podcast. We don't, we don't make money for any of this that we do, and we somehow, for some reason, keep adding on the production requirements just to make it sound good. And as much as I love it, 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 it it's very... It's starting to kill me. It's starting to kill us, dude. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck? Who the fuck are you, Craig? <laughs> but, whilst, while a lot of fan subgroups didn't make money off them, either because of legal issues or because they did it for the spirit of the otaku uh, community, there were others like Arctic Animation, who were so massive for a group of their medium at the time, who sold their shows, but only used the profits to cover the costs for production. They didn't pocket any money for themselves. VHS fan subbing continues until DVD comes along and says, get that weak shit format out of here, fool. And the fan subbing community dies and they just become a digi summing communities. Other, other groups begin to take their place and there isn't any room for the people making VHS subs because who wants them? DVDs are cheaper, easier, and all around better. And then that continues until we have the internet. It's where we where DVD fan subbing evolved into full-on digital digi-subbing. And instead of traditional distribution means, uh, tr distribution means, we have the popularity of BitTorrent and IRC, which has made finding content that way so much easier. And we're sure some of you are probably even using it even now. Yes, you naughty little boys and girls. So... This brings us to some interesting bits and pieces. So, how is the modern fan sub handled now? It's technically copyright infringement, and Japan is getting more and more apt to handle their content from being stolen now that they know that people actually want it. So, why are groups still doing it, and what is the atmosphere even like now? Why are they doing it? Because fuck the police. Coming straight from the <laughs> underground. Black Lives Matter. ACAB. Yeah. And in fact, recently, Japan has said, fuck it, no more stealing manga, I'm done with this. <laughs> and recently enacted stricter legislation in order to prevent it. So there you go, bringing it back to today. Yeah. So, for one thing, most fan subgroups, even back then, they never saw what they were doing as illegal or even pirating because they weren't making profit off of the content itself. The money that they did accumulate by selling tapes or hosting their content on a server was just used to fund the projects themselves, so it wasn't like they were stealing. You mean it isn't? I mean, <laughs> I'm just I'm just stating the research, okay? All right. Don't don't get all fucking lawful good on me. <laughs> so, 
if you watch a fan sub episode even today, then you're gonna see something like this is a free fan sub, not for sale or rent, because they aren't out to make money or turn a profit. They're just trying to get the anime to the people. So fundamentally, there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, technically, the original owner still has the rights and all, but that's a lot of legal crap, and I'm not fucking Phoenix Wright. <laughs> There's a new sort of style of ethics now, though. Uh, most fan subgroups are still making content even for licensed shows, and I'm not going to discuss the morality or anything like that, because there is a general sense of frustration in the anime streaming community because providers and licensors out there are doing certain practices like downgrading video quality, or in the case of four kids, butchering shows and heavily censoring them. Or in the case of, of Funimation, just sailing ship and hoarding it all for themselves. Yeah. And I mean, like, you just gotta imagine being back then. It's like, oh man, One Piece is finally coming over and it's gonna be licensed. And then four kids grabs it and just butchers it to shit. And I would definitely want to make, that would piss me off. And I would make my own content if I knew how to. Yeah. out of spite so i i get that completely i'm not saying if it's right or wrong all there is is choices so what was the effect of all this fan subbing besides you know getting it to the fans for free well several shows were only licensed and made available outside of japan purely because the fan subs of the show were just that popular remember when we talked so much about fushiki yuki earlier not really. No one in Japan anticipated that show to be any sort of popular, so it was never licensed here, but the groups who were out and distributing the show made it apparent that there was a market, so it was eventually brought over. ADV Films even outright admitted they didn't expect Azumanga Daio to be popular in the US, but the fans of community made them rethink and license it. Kadokawa Pictures even thanked fan servers for watching The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya in a promotional video and implored them to buy the official release. So, what did we actually learn? Not much. But <laughs> what we did learn was that old anime fans were fucking hardcore. Between having to wait almost a year for some of their content and needing actual fucking contacts in Japan, they had to do a lot to get their shows. It really just shows and displays how far this hobby has come and how much evolution has grown out of the community. Just appreciate the fact that you can watch your latest episode of Sword Art Online in mere hours and not have to wait like six months just to watch Kirito obviously win for his harem. Yeah. I mean, look, the Chad anime fan waiting almost a year for like some of, for their next episode. Meanwhile, the Virgin Me with the full series being a few clicks away, and I'm like, eh, I don't want to. Yeah, and just to reinforce the chadness of it, it's we're talking about, again, like we talked about earlier, analog equipment, guys. There wasn't just one computer. There was a computer and a VCR and a VCR and a VCR and a gen lock, a video overlay. It's, it's just... It's wild. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. It's fuck. It makes me makes me melancholic that i didn't have to be a manly anime man and have a friend in japan just to get my just to get my latest episode of escaflone that makes me a bit melancholic that i wasn't one of the like original group of people it's like like going to the first anime convention to get a fan so i was like wow there are so many people that like this anime like me 
you i just want to put this out there and this is not a personal attack on you but if you went to an anime convention that was playing 20 episodes in a row you would walk out you'd be like on episode five can't do this anymore bye (laughs) but and a fun little anecdote to that is that in the conan kaku convention they did allow people to copy the tapes of the fan subs there and take them home just in case so there's a happy little ending for the brads who don't want to watch 20 episodes of a show in a row yeah and also just damn fushigi yugi (laughs) like that's wild to me because i don't like fushigi yugi that much it's kind of interesting i never heard of fushigi yugi actually well i mean uh john has watched fushigi yugi our friend john who and he did not like fushigi yugi at all and he keeps making these jokes about or he used to make these jokes about Miyaka. he used to do that all the time it was really funny and i watched the show and i said ah i see i see the joke now haha <laughs> very funny what was it the uh oh yeah 52 episode show yeah interesting it big boy episode show wow this looks a lot this reminds me of yu yu Hakusho. i kind of like the aesthetic Ooh, well then there you go. This new episode for next week. Watch me be a fool as I look up the studio and see that they actually worked on Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> yep, they did! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Just get fucking... Just shit in the toilet and let the toilet fly back and hit you in the face. And then let you just go, What happened? What happened? How'd this go? Who could have foreseen these events? Not me with my boomerang shit toilet. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> oh. Hey, okay, uh where, where do we go now? Take this away from my embarrassment. So we've learned a lot and we've become better people because of it. Some of us have. I know Miami Mike. You know what you did at Dragon Con. Yeah. But I think we've learned a lot, and I think I just want to do more of these to let you appreciate where we've come and just how hardcore it was to be an anime fan back then. Yeah. I mean, we're, st- but it's just impressive. It's revolutionary that we live in this world now, and I just want just appreciate it. Yeah. Just appreciate it. Not to say that anime fans these days are a bunch of weak shit little nuggets, but... You know, it's important to recognize the history and the people that laid the foundation for what we have today. Like, a lot of shows, like, as we said, a lot of shows have distributed in the West purely because of fan subs, and that laid the groundwork for, you know, uh, program blocks like Toonami, and which eventually led into, like, online streaming like Netflix and Crunchyroll, and now... For better or for worse, we have like anime being simul uh, simul dubbed or not simul dubbed. That would be crazy. Simul. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta predict what he's gonna say, Eric. Yeah, with the uh, uh. shows being simulcast in the West with the uh, English subtitles, so it's it's pretty crazy. It is. It's it's wild. And this has been this has been a nice little. Otakumentary, as yeah. it were. Which is a contraction of otaku documentary for those who can't get our c- obvious cleverness. Big Wayne! <laughs> he who, big brain! 
<laughs> he who <laughs> big blade plan <laughs> oh my god i'm gonna like play some no man's sky after this yeah uh, by the way those who don't know no man's sky is available on xbox game pass as well as um cross-platform play being released so you could play if you are you can, if you have an xbox you can play with your ps4 friends and pc friends and maybe switch friends in the future who knows you can play with us. Yeah. I come wouldn't recommend it. Visit our planet. <laughs> Camp, I gotta get out of this scary Wayne. Yeah. Uh. So that has been a brief history of fan subbing. And this has been the Otaku Melancholy Podcast. We have been your hosts. Matt. And Brad. Join us every Tuesday, every other Friday. Join, uh, go to our website at otakumelancholy.com where you can see our previous episodes and all of the streaming sites that we are hosted on. You can also find our social media like our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our Discord. Which, shout out to our recent members. We got two this time. We, we're, we're doubling up the numbers now, boys. We got... Ooh. Senpai George or Senpai George or Senpai Jorge. I don't know how you want me to pronounce it. But <laughs> shout out to you. And also to Cat Toys. Welcome, both of you, and I hope you enjoy your stay in the Otaku Melancholy Discord, where we also yes. have our weekly anime watching, currently watching Cross Game. And spamming chalky milk emojis. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know how what started that. I don't either, but I am going to persist in it until somebody tells me to stop. It will probably be me. But, as Franklin P. Adams once said, you can learn many things from anime. How much patience you have, for instance. <laughs> oh, I think I'm learning something, then. <laughs> me too. Alright. Bye-bye. Take care. Gone bate. i